Hello, friends. Anne here, and this is Overcome with Auntie Anne. Each week, I sit down with a friend to hear her story of overcoming, and we talk about the good, the bad, and everything in between. Before building an international corporation, I went through my own years of defeat, despair, and depression that kept me stuck in a place of darkness. It was only when I learned to share my own story that I started to overcome my past and to find purpose in my pain. I've found incredible freedom in my life, and I'd like for you to discover it for yourself as well. Together, we can overcome. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to my podcast, The Overcoming with Auntie Anne. I'm so glad that you're here and that you're listening wherever you may be right now. This week, we're continuing with our Isaac's Family-themed month. And it has been and is such an exciting time for me to be able to feature them throughout the month. If you've listened to our last episode, we talked with Lily Isaacs, the matriarch or the mama of the Isaacs singing group. And each member of this family truly has their own unique story and their own struggles. And I wanted you to hear from all of them. So today we're continuing the conversation and we're chatting with my very good friend, Sonia Isaacs Yeary. And I wanted to say, welcome, Sonia. Well, thank you. I love you. And it's an honor to be on your podcast. I I think you were born for this. You just, your heart um, is amazing. And so thank you for doing this and including us. Well, you're more than welcome. And it is my great pleasure. And I love you as well, Sonia. Sonia is a member of the Isaacs singing group as well as a country and uh, Christian hit songwriter. I'm sure you've heard many of her songs that she's written. She's also a background singer for the stars like Dolly, Reba, Vince Gill, and there are many, many others, too many to mention. Um, She's a wife and a mama. And I have had the privilege of knowing Sonia for many years. But from day one, I loved her sweet spirit and kind heart, and I've always been drawn to Sonia. Uh, I've seen her go through many life struggles over the years. When I think of Sonia, I think of the many conversations her and I had chatting about her love life, <laughs> the ins <laughs> and outs, the ups and downs of her love life. <laughs> but that's that's kind of behind Sonia right now. And today we're going to talk about some of the struggles that Sonia has faced, like losing her baby girl, sweet Ava, and also finding love after her own divorce and, and much more. And so Sonia, before we get into the really deep, when I say really deep, you know me well, right? Uh, The deeper, the better. I'd like for you to give us a quick overview of who is Sonia today? I'm a busy mom. I have three kids who are Aiden's 10. He's the oldest. Gatlin is five and a half. He's almost six. And uh, Evia is four. And so three kids. I'm 47 years old and very busy mom, very busy singer, traveling, still trying to write some songs. Uh, but just, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed and I have a very crazy, beautiful life. Yeah, I've watched you up close and personal at times and at times from a distance, but I know that your life is is full in every way, and uh, I'm so yeah. honored to know you. So I just want to know what it was like for you growing up as a member of the Isaacs. 
It was, um, it was the only life that we ever knew. So, you know, mom and dad started traveling really, they traveled part-time kind of what we call the tri-state Ohio area, which was, you know, never more than a couple hundred miles from home. And, and so we started out doing that, but as we became teenagers, they started getting some success at radio as the sacred bluegrass. And then we started kind of learning to sing and play and write songs. And we kind of each one, Becky, Ben and I, my siblings took our place in the group. And by the time we were 16, 17, we were the Isaacs. It was the three of us with mom and dad, you know, so growing up, it was exciting. It was an adventure. It was always, you know, back then we traveled in cars and then we eventually got a van and then we eventually got a van with a trailer and then we got a, a newer van with a trailer. And then we got our first old, old, old bus, rickety old bus, and then a little bit better bus. And, you know, and, and up until this, this is the first bus that we have now that's a brand new bus. So hmm. we've gradually, and we have a bus with a trailer. So I don't know what we're going to do next. I have to get a plane <laughs> or something. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so it was not easy. We would, you know, we traveled, we, we were a, a, a ministry. So we, you know, many times ate bologna sandwiches to, to get by, you know, you were at the mercy of whatever the church wanted to give you for coming. So we missed a lot of, a lot of proms and dances and things that kids really look forward to, you know, but we were, we loved what we were doing. So it was a full life. Did you feel um, cheated in any way by missing some of the normal kid stuff? Yeah, I think we did. You know, I mean, looking back, we were sacrificing some of our childhood, but we were also, we were also seeing a lot of things that most people never see in life. So it, we understood. We understood. It was a good trade-off, I guess. I think that a lot of people see it as a glamorous life, but I also know uh, in talking to you and knowing you that it is not a glamorous life. It's yeah. a real life. It, you know, and it's hard. There are you know, my husband and I, we spend a lot of time apart, you know, there are a lot of sacrifices to it, but, um, but it's, it's been a wonderful life. We've been singing mom and dad started our group 50 years ago this year. And I, as I said, I'm 47. So my whole life, all I've ever remembered was being on the road, traveling, singing, being in the limelight, working hard, you know, being a ministry. And so but it's been a full life and it's been so rewarding. So, the, I mean, the rewards definitely outweigh the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. You know, your parents came from two very different cultures. And it's it's not funny, but it's interesting to me when I hear your mom talk about that. You know, your mother was mm-hmm. a Jewish uh, Holocaust survivor. Her mom and dad were Holocaust survivors. And her husband was uh, from the hills of Kentucky. Can, can it be any more, you know? No, opposite. Opposite. So, so mm-hmm. what was it like to, to be in both of those cultures as a kid? Well, I think it made us well-rounded because we would go to visit my dad's parents and all of dad's side of the family. And we would, you'd have to drive two or three miles back into a holler where there was no electricity or running water. And they're the Pentecostal side of our family. So, you know, to see them, they're the praying three meals, three, they prayed three times a day before each meal in the living room. And then they went in the kitchen and blessed the food. So they prayed a lot and they were great people of faith. And, uh, and then that's the bluegrass influence. So then you've got my mom's side. We would, we would drive 
to New York City to see them in the Bronx. And, uh, and it was just grandma and grandpa. And here they grew up in, you know, mom grew up in a Jewish home, as you said. And, and so they, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus or um, they wanted nothing to do with really what our whole ministry was about. And then you, you know, so then we would sit with grandma and eat bagels with flocks and cream cheese for breakfast. And, you know, and the holler grandma's cooking, the other grandma's cooking, you know, fried chicken and dumplings and, you know, all the, the country cooking. Wow. So it really introduced our, our palates for different musical styles. And mom, of course, she grew up loving folk rock music and mm-hmm. was a hippie in the 60s. So she brought that whole genre of Americana folk rock sound to um to us so we're just all mixed up you know we jokingly say <laughs> that uh the three of us are are uh Brar hopper hebrews we we call ourselves uh they, well they used to call us jubilees what was the other one kosher hill kosher hillbillies you know just because we did have such a a great mesh Love of that. of mm-hmm. the uh the different backgrounds so we we loved you know going to see grandma and grandpa in new york celebrating hanukkah you know, eating all the, the different, the Chinese food and the, you know, all the different cultures that are in the city and then going to the, to the holler to see grandma and, you know, learning about farming. And it was just, it was, we just learned so much from both sides and I'm very grateful for that. Wow. That's so uh, fascinating. I mean, how has that shaped you actually? Well, I I mean, the, the influence of our, our grandparents, our paternal dad's parents, uh, their family just, you know, they, they brought Christianity into the picture. And even though my dad was raised in a Christian home, did I mention he's the baby of 17 children? Wow. <laughs> so, you know, wow. even though Christianity was, was very clearly, you know, their faith in, in the home, my dad never made a personal decision to follow Christ until after he and mom got married. Mm. And then you've got mom on the other side who, she, you know, she grew up in a Jewish home, but her parents were more, more agnostic. They, you know, they, they did the Jewish thing, but it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't a religious Jewish thing. It was the customs that they followed mm-hmm. more. So they would go to synagogue, you know, once a year or twice, whatever, but they, but they weren't devout Jewish believers. And, you know, so it's good to have the understanding of both sides and the, and actually the similarities of Judeo Christianity. You know, it was really neat to grow up with both of those influences. I love the the culture of the Jewish faith. I love their 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 routine strictness. Their what's the word for it? The traditions, um, maybe the, the traditions tradition. that they yeah, and they they abide by them and they really follow them. And I love the discipline, the discipline mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. their faith. And, but then again, on the, the other side, I love the, the free worship that we gained from the Pentecostal upbringing and, you know, and just the one-on-one relationship with the Lord and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So you got, you know, they're very conflicting, mm-hmm. but I see the greatness of both of them mm-hmm. and I try to implement those. And so moving on to a little bit later in your, in your life as a young girl, you married and divorced. You were 20 at that time. And uh, can you tell us about how you struggled through that? Well, I was 20 years old when I got married to Tim Surratt. And uh, he was a singer with another band at the time, musician, very talented, wonderful person, and a Christian. I was attracted to Tim. He was funny. He made me laugh. He was 11 years older than me. So I was 20. He was 31. 
we were married for a little while and then he joined the Isaacs as a dobro player and guitar player and singer. And, you know, he contributed a lot to my family. We never had any children together. We, we stayed married for seven years and it was a time in my life when I was offered the opportunity to sing. So I started being noticed by different publishers in Nashville and different people that really liked my voice and offering me to sing demos. And I started writing songs in Nashville. And uh, it was at that point that Vince Gill called and, or I asked Vince if he would produce a solo album for me. And uh, I got a record deal prior to that. And I wanted Vince to produce it because he was like my idol. I loved Vince and music. He was my hero. So Vince said he would do it, but he he didn't know with his traveling touring schedule how he would be able to find the time to do it. And he offered me the opportunity to come on tour with him and to travel and so that we could arrange the, the record and work on the record while we were on the road, which to, to be able to sing with Vince Gill, you have to understand that was like sure. the highest <laughs> level of success and dream come true that I could have ever thought of. So I discussed it with with Tim and I discussed it with my family and everyone was like, there's no way you cannot not do this, you know? So even Tim was supportive, but what happened was I, so I, I took a leave from the Isaacs. I started touring with Vince, but, but I would fly every, you know, if he wasn't on the road, I would fly back to meet the Isaacs or I got a record deal. So we made a record and then I had to start touring visiting radio stations all across the country, which was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then I would fly to meet the Isaacs. And so it was, it was a busy time. And I was trying to be all things to all people. It was really hard. And my family was struggling because they lost their, one of their lead singers, their, their MC. And my dad was in the process of coming off the road. Mom and dad were going through a divorce at the time. (laughs) And And so it was just, there was a lot of moving pieces and it was very hard to keep it all rolling in a smooth Mm -hmm. manner. Mm -hmm. I started having to go to Nashville, like when I wasn't gone to write, to record, to have meetings, Uh, everything that I needed to do was in Nashville. And so I was gone a lot during the week when I would normally be home with family time. And I think, you know, just because he was older, he was more settled. He wasn't interested in and going back and forth with me, he, so I was gone a lot mm-hmm. and we grew apart. We just grew apart. Our age different really started, started kicking in our personality differences. And I think it just, we just grew. I don't know how it happens, but you know, he was a good guy. It just, I don't know. We just, we were just not, I guess what you water grows and we weren't watering it and it, mm-hmm. and it died. And so we ended up getting a divorce. I, you know, I, I talked to him a lot about it and it was, um, it was very painful, you know, it was very painful, but I, I just was miserable and he was, I know he was not happy, but he was just, you know, sitting there waiting for things to change and they weren't changing. And so we, we, uh, we divorced. It was very amicable. It was, I guess as good of a divorce as you could possibly have. And he was just amazing through the whole thing. And, you know, but after that, I decided to move to Nashville just because it was wearing me out, driving back and forth all the time. And I really liked it here. I wanted to live here. I wanted to be close to my friends. I wanted to be where the music was, where I could go hear a band in the evening or a songwriter that was doing a show and be right there. And so 
I moved here with a girlfriend of mine. We moved in together. And, um, and so I started my life in Nashville and, you know, it was really hard. I, I felt that I had that being divorced. I felt that I really had broken God, God's heart. And I felt mm. very distant from God. I felt so far from God and divorce is such a painful thing to go through. And you separate from in-laws and usually they're going to take the side of their person. And, and I didn't mean to hurt Tim, but I didn't know what to do to fix it. He moved on. He ended up getting remarried a few years later and he has a wonderful family. I dated several different guys over the next, oh golly, how long was I single? Years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, but I always in my heart, I wondered if God would allow me the opportunity to try again. Mm-hmm. If I would, if I could find that someone that I would, would, could love enough to marry and not be so scared that it would turn out the way the other one did. How did you struggle within because of the divorce? And, and then how did you find a way through that and come to a place of peace about it? I knew that he was not happy. You know, mm-hmm. there was, I, and I, again, it's, you know, I don't want to say anything that he wouldn't want disclosed or anything either. You know, I'm, I'm protecting him as well, but I think that I just felt like trapped. I felt trapped because he was playing with my family. We were not happy. You know, I was out living my dream by getting to make a a solo record on a major country label and tour with Vince Gill. And my husband was stuck at, you know, on the road with his in-laws pulling up the slack, trying to keep it together. And I'm out here just living the dream. I felt guilty because of that. I didn't want a divorce. I didn't want my marriage to end. I never would have signed up for it if I'd have known that was around the mm-hmm. corner. But, you know, again, I was young. I was 20 when we got married. I wasn't even who I was going to be yet. I was still figuring life out. I grew up singing with a family and living under the thumb of my parents in close quarters. We didn't have a lot of room to make mistakes. You know, we were always under their wings. And so I, my sister had gotten married like a year before I got married. And I just, you know, in hindsight, I wonder if I just jumped the gun because I just wanted to live somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't mean that bad because I really did love Tim. And, but at the same time, you know, that age, you really don't know who you are yet. You don't know, you don't know yourself. So how do you know who you're supposed to be with? I feel like I, if I had waited, I, I feel like that would have been wise. You know, I think that regret is one of the things that all of us experience to some degree. And I think what I hear you saying is maybe some regret about about all of that, your guilt and actually going through divorce at a very young age. So, you know, you were very young and I, I know that you and I met, I think it was soon after, maybe soon after your divorce. And uh, we talked an awful lot about your struggles during that time. And you, you eventually found the love of your life. Now, I know it took you a while and I know you struggled so hard with that because I think part of it was, and you tell me, why was that struggle so hard to, to finally find the man of your dreams? I I had several long relationships after my divorce. I I dated a couple of guys for like two, three years each. 
And then I had a couple short ones in the mix, you know, just really trying to heal. But yet I never was good at taking time for myself. You know, I started dating pretty quick after my divorce. I wasn't good at being alone. I, you know, and I, and I really never lived. I never went and had fun. I never went on dates and it was a different like life than what I had ever known. And I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to have my twenties and here I was in my late twenties now going into my thirties. And so I prayed a lot and I, I asked the Lord to help me because I, I knew that God loved me and that people, people make mistakes, but God's grace is sufficient. And Mm -hmm. to really, to love him and know that he loved me. um, I just kept pushing forward and, and I would date, but I just never would find the peace to, to marry a couple guys that wanted to get married. And it just, it just, I never had that settling peace. And part of it was still probably the war inside of me and the conflict of what had happened and being divorced. And so I just didn't. And finally, later on, like after years and years of failed relationships, I just said, Lord, you know, am I ever going to meet someone? Am I ever going to have kids and a family? And my clock was ticking real loud. Like I was just here. I was in my early thirties now, like just dating Mr. Right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, you know, trying really hard to find love and make it work and, and to feel peace about moving forward, just never having it. So, but my mom, I remember she prayed for me one day and we were, I was at, I had a house in Hendersonville and. Um, I was just really grieving in my spirit because relationships, I was in a relationship that was kind of breaking up, getting back together, breaking up because there was just some issues and there, I just didn't have the peace to marry him. And I felt like he was ready and I was like, okay, I just can't do this. So what do I do? And so I just really was praying like, Lord, you know, and we had broken up and I was just really sad and praying and crying. And I said, Lord, what do you have for me? Am I ever going to find someone? And my mom, who's a very prophetic woman, she started to pray for me. And she was at my house that evening. And the Holy Spirit, through her prayer, said to me, I'm shining the light to fix the soul for you. And when the time is right, you'll know without any doubt. Hmm. And then I was praying like, Lord, you know, what about kids? What about? And then the Lord said, and I see little souls. Don't you worry. Just trust me and just walk with me and don't worry. Mm. And so it was about a year after that, that I met Jimmy. The guy I was kind of dating, we would get back together and then we'd break up. And then, and I had ended it with him about three weeks before I met Jimmy. I was, I was tired of the cycle and I was just like, I just, I got to do something because it's not fair to him. And I'm just, I can't marry him. And so I had ended our relationship three weeks before I met Jimmy. And what's really amazing about it is that prophecy, I'm shining the light to fix a soul for you. Right about the time that the Lord gave me that word, my husband had surrendered to the Lord. And for that year after that prophecy, he had started going to AA meetings. He had started really seeking the Lord with all of his heart, straightening his life up. And So it was like a year after that when I met him and truly the Lord was shining the light to fix him for me. So it's, it's an amazing story. Uh, It's a beautiful story. Me in the process. He was fixing me too. Yeah. So God's timing in our lives is so important. And yet we 
in the moment, we honestly don't see it clearly until till we get through it. Then we look back like, that's what was going on. You've had lots of struggles in your life. And one of the most defining moments of your life is, I want to go move forward now, fast forward just a little bit. So you and Jimmy married, you, you did meet the love of your life and you were able to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind. I mean, he's he's the man yeah. for you. And, and you were still wanting a family. So uh, tell us about your family and, and uh, having babies and how that played out in your life. So Jimmy and I married when I was 35, I think, or 34. He was four years older than me. And so, you know, we knew that at our ages, if we were going to have kids, we better get a move on. And what's interesting is when we were dating, we, we only dated three months, then we got engaged and got married three months later. So we knew, we knew it was right from the get go. I met him at a, a songwriting appointment. We were both writing songs and our publishers booked us to write together. And what's crazy is that Jimmy and I sang together when we were kids, uh, his family and the, and my family played on the same local cable TV station in Beattyville, Kentucky. He was 14 and I was 10. I didn't remember him, but he remembered me. And he followed the Isaac's career and my career all these years, but he stayed away, stayed in the background because he thought surely that I would not want to go out with him. <laughs> and I was married there for those years, you know, and he also was married. He went through it. We have very similar paths, like very parallel, like through our divorces, he got a record deal. Neither one of us, our record deals really, you know, blossomed into anything. So we'd be kind of settled in the songwriting. But anyway, so here we are. And the first day that we're writing together, um, he starts talking about Beattyville, Kentucky and the, 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 the TV show we did when we were kids. And I'm like, that was your family. That was you. And he's like, yeah, that was me. And he said, I've followed your career all these years. And we just instantly fell in love. It was just meant to be. So we started trying six months into our marriage to have kids and we had our first son, Aiden, in 2011. We got married December of 2009. Aiden was born in July of 2011. So it, was, it didn't take us long, thank God. He didn't sleep well. So we waited a while before we tried again. We waited a couple of years. And then he, and, you know, so when I was 40, we, uh, we got pregnant again and found out I always wanted a daughter. I always wanted one of each. That was my dream, you know, and I always thought maybe I would have three. That was like in my heart that I would have maybe adopt a kid or have a third kid, you know, but at our ages, we thought if we can do one or two, we're doing well, you know, cause we were yeah. already getting up there. But I had, I had bought this little dress and that uh, at Dollywood little Dolly dress shop. That was like one of those roughly plaid looking with the little bonnet, little bloomers, uh, sets for a little girl for like maybe a six month old, five month old. It was so beautiful to me. And I was, I think I was married the first time when I bought that. Oh, so I was very young. I was like 20 and, um, and I just kept it because I said, one day I'm going to have a daughter and I'm going to put that outfit on her and I'm going to take hmm. pictures of her. I just loved it so much. It was just a little representation of my desires to have a daughter, you know, even through my divorce, I kept it. I kept it hanging in the closet, in the back of the closet, in the back of the closet. And so, and when I found out that we were pregnant the second time, I, I found out I was having a girl and I was over the moon. I was, I was beyond excited. I was just, it was my dream come true. I had my son. Now I was getting my daughter, you know, I'm living a dream life with a man that I'm crazy about and God's restored everything. Right. Hmm. So, so six months into my pregnancy, 
I started hemorrhaging and uh, went to the emergency room. They did an ultrasound. It was two o'clock in the morning when the doctor finally came in. They wouldn't tell me anything until she got there. And she told me at that point that my little girl's heart had stopped beating and that she passed away. All I could think about was that moment when I held that little dress up, made my announcement that it's a girl. And the whole world was watching me have this dream come to life. And now this dream was dead. And all I could think about was why God? And I thought about my life and just being honest. I thought, God, is this something I deserve? Is this something that I have done in my life that I'm being punished for? Mm-hmm. The one thing that I wanted my dream for all these years, not the one thing, but one of the biggest things. And now six months in to get so close to holding that dream and it's gone. Do I deserve this? I've had a pretty easy life. And, and aside from going through a divorce, which hurt, I never had anything catastrophic happen to me or, you know, I never had to battle sickness like Ben who had diabetes or Becky who lived through Crohn's disease. And I'm like, my life is really good. Like I've gotten to live dreams and sing with superstars and I have everything I could have ever wanted. And now I'm faced with, you know, holding a baby. That's, that's my dream and it's dead. And I'm like, what? This is something I deserve. And, but God knew, God knew my heart and, you know, and he sent me word through other prophets that were praying for me that the Lord said, I love you. And I'm, I'm not punishing you. This is not, this is not your fault. <laughs> and, uh, Lord brought me a lot of peace. And I have this thing with birds because after I lost her the morning and I'd had experiences with birds before the Lord has used birds to to sing to me and, you know, very, and comfort me in very hard times in my life. And the morning that I came home from the hospital after delivering her, Ava, um, it was storming outside and I sat on my, my couch and I just had so much in my heart. And here I am without a baby in my arms, without a baby in my womb. And I felt so defeated and Hmm. sad. So I took out my computer and I just started typing her a letter, you know, just to get things out. I said, Lord, I said, Ava, you know, you're my daughter. I love you. Your name means little bird. And uh, I know you had to fly home to Jesus and, you know, and and I hope that you'll visit us from time to time. Just, you know, stuff that was in my head, my heart. And and I just wrote how much I love her and I wonder what she'd look like. And I wonder how she would be with her brother and you know, and all the things that you will always wonder. And I wrote this letter and at the end I signed it. I love you, mom. And I'm sitting there and it's like storming outside. And it's not even that the sun hadn't even come up yet. It was like five in the morning. And this, and I start rereading this letter to her. And as I get to the part that says, your name means little bird, this bird starts singing outside my window and it's going, I can't whistle. It did it like three times, one, two, three, four, five. And it was a beautiful song, but it was singing to me in the storm. And it brought me so much comfort and so much peace. And I said, Lord, she's with you. And I started thinking, Lord, 
you know, you sent a dove to Noah. When, when John baptized you, the Holy Spirit ascended as a dove. Mm-hmm. So you use birds to bring comfort mm-hmm. and to bring messages. Mm-hmm. And I believed with all my heart that God was saying, she's with me. Mm-hmm. You know, have peace. Forgive yourself. Don't blame yourself. And uh, it, it was just peace. From then on, it just, it was hard and I grieved, but it was a peaceful grieving. You know? mm-hmm. I knew God loved me and that. And from her death was born a testimony, was born songs that have have helped so many other people get through losing babies. That was 2014, October of 2014. Six months later, we tried again and I got pregnant again. This time I found out I was having another boy. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 40. I'm 41 years old. I was uh, 42 when Gatlin was born. I thought I'll, I'll never, I'll never, we're too old to try this again. It's too risky. You know, I already lost one. It's too risky. And I was so scared during my pregnancy, my next mm-hmm. pregnancy. I was like, Lord, I didn't even know why I lost Ava. I didn't know. So I, I was afraid. And sure enough, about four months into my pregnancy with Gatlin, I started hemorrhaging and we were on the road and I went straight to the emergency room. And, um, but luckily, unfortunately, by the grace of God, it was just an issue with my uterus. They put me on bed rest, uh, which for me was more like sit on a stool and sing rest because I, I didn't stop going. Um, and he was he was perfect. And and not only that, but six months after he was born, <laughs> he was six months old, and we found out we were unexpectedly expecting again. And the Lord gave me my beautiful daughter, the easiest pregnancy I had at 43 years old, easiest delivery. And she's something else. She's four years old and she's just amazing. Yeah. That's my story. It's truly an overcoming story because I, I, I see the joy in your face every time I see you on stage. I see the joy. I feel your heart at peace every time you sing. and. Uh, through your pain, all of it, all of it, you, you've truly found something to give to others. And your story today is really an encouragement to many women who are struggling with this very same issue. And for to, to know, I, I think what you're clear about was that your faith really got you through all of it, your faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Since all of that, what does your faith look like today? My faith is on fire today. It's stronger than it's ever been. And you know, even after I lost Ava, my my testimony was God uses these things in ways, you know, what Satan intends for evil, God truly uses for good. And through God giving me that experience, God didn't give me, God allowed me to go through that experience. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have been able to share with so many hundreds of women and men who've lost babies, who deal with that blame and guilt. And, you know, and he's helped me to write songs, in particular, a song called I Love You More that came out that we wrote about uh, six months after I lost her that that talks about my faith during it all and how I love the Lord more than I ever have. I don't blame him. I don't blame God for losing mm-hmm. my baby. And I, I meet so many women that do. Mm-hmm. They blame they blame God when they when they don't they don't understand the pain and 
and the source of the pain. And so it, it, God gets blamed because he didn't rescue them. So I, you know, I, my, my platform has become God loves you and keep the faith and, and praise mm-hmm. him through the, through the hard times because he is faithful. He's not causing your pain. He will heal your pain. <laughs> yes. And that was my testimony. And I think because of my faithfulness to God after my devastating loss, that God rewarded me with, <laughs> with my heart's desires. And so I'm very grateful today. I, I love the Lord with all my heart. I need him. I hope he's pleased with me. And I thank God for second and third chances and for grace and mercy and forgiveness and that we can go as deep with him as we want to. There's the mysteries of God and we can have a relationship with him that is so supernatural to where you have birds singing to you in the middle of storms. It's in that and just... it's, yeah, it's so I'm, I'm, I love him so much and I just am so grateful for what he's given me. You mentioned that you wrote a song, I Love You More. And I guess if there was anything you'd want to say to moms out there or want to be mothers who are desperately wanting children had miscarriages and maybe there's no more uh, time left for them. What would you say to them? I would say, first of all, nothing is impossible for God. And your timeline is not his timeline. Your Mm. clock's ticking, but it's not ticking in his ear. He's, Mm. he knows exactly what you need and when you need it. And I think learning to submit ourselves and, and to have submission to his will in our lives that it may not look like what we think it looks like or what it should look like, but, but that, you know, that trusting that wanting to be used by God so greatly that whatever my desire is, change it, make it your desire. And -hmm. I believe he does that, you know, people that haven't been able to have children, my heart goes out to them because for me, it was one of the greatest desires of my life and the greatest holes in my heart Mm. until I had kids. And the, you know, there are people that hear my story and I'm very sensitive to that because I don't want them to feel like, well, why did God give you your miracle and not mm-hmm. me or, you know, mm-hmm. but it's because this was the path God had for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I told the Lord years ago, I said, God, if you don't, and this was, I was actually praying this prayer that when my mom prophesied to me, I see little souls, don't you worry. But I was praying, God, if it's not your will for me to ever have a family or children, I want what you want for me more than what I want for me. And I think if you can get to that place where you have a relationship with him, that's so submissive and so tight to where you don't, where all you want is for him to use you wherever that is, you may not be able to have a child, but there may be a child out there that needs you, that that needs a home. And, and if you had your own, that would never even be an option or a thought. And so God uses us when we allow him to. And so I just say, try to, to submit your will to his, and, and don't stop praying and don't stop asking him for the, for the miracles because miracles happen all the time. Sonia, your story is beautiful. It's one of overcoming, as I mentioned. I just want to say, just I'm, I'm just so encouraged by, by what you have shared with us today. And in bringing this to a close, where can they learn more about you? And I know that you have albums and mm-hmm. things out there. So tell them where they can uh, find you. I just stay connected mainly through the Isaacs. And so they can go on the Isaacs Facebook or the Isaacs.com. And if they want to send an email and I'll, I'll re- receive those messages just and check out the Isaacs music and check out our, our schedule and come see us when we're in your area. We would love that. And come say hi to me. I'd love to meet you. And you know, Sonia, I'll be there to come say hi to you every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You so thank do. you again. Thank you so much. I love you too, Anne. And I want to say thank you to you and Jonas for being such an inspiration to me and 
you know, just knowing your story of having lost a child and, you know, how you all have overcome with your marriage. Marriage is not easy. And, you know, even when you have the the one, you know, God brought to you, you, you really have to mm-hmm. stay on your toes and work at it. And so I just want to say thank you for, for being those mm-hmm. role models for us and, mm-hmm. and showing us that you can overcome anything. I mean, you, you and I have been through a lot of similar things. And so what you're doing now and, and sharing your story and helping others to share their stories is just, it's, um, it's profound. And without, without having gone through those trials and you wouldn't have this story, you wouldn't have this platform or the heart to even be able to help people that have gone through those things. So thank you for your transparency and to Jonas for, um, for being our, you guys are our, our spiritual mentors in so many ways. And so we thank you for that. I love you. You're so welcome. And it truly is our, our pleasure to, uh, to know you. So once again, uh, Sonia, thank you again. And I want to remind you, our listeners, that you can overcome any obstacle. If you're willing to be vulnerable, open, fast to a friend, find someone that you can trust, uh, trust in God, move into faith rather than fear and trust the process. And you, my friend, have a story and your story matters. And until next time, Thanks for listening and keep overcoming. Thanks for listening to Overcome with Auntie Anne. I hope that you feel inspired, encouraged, and know that you are not alone. If you like the episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at Auntie Anne B or Facebook. Until next time, choose well and choose to overcome. <laughs>